Welcome one and welcome all. We're live on Very Full Upstream number 80. Just crazy. <laughs> 80 months of Upstream is... Well, not 80 months. 80 weeks of Upstream is just just crazy. Have an awesome little cast on tonight. We've got Blaze, editor-in-chief at Crackberry.com. DJ Reyes, who's also an editor at Crackberry. Brandon Orr, who's an editor here over at Berry Flow. And then Alex, who's our you know vestigial piece here. He just... What's up? Alex had nothing better to do, so he comes and hangs out. <laughs> Basically, he gets us in the BBM group, and then he gets us in, in the uh, the podcast too. We have a an interesting time, kind of time, right? We just celebrated Christmas, so happy holidays to everyone who spent time with their family. We had Michael Cluley on last week as our kind of pre-holiday celebration, and we're going to rehash some of the things that were discussed because a recap is definitely needed. But this is December twenty seventh. We're about to get started. First thing I want to talk about here is John Chen talking about kind of the encryption debate, right, and, and where BlackBerry specifically stands on that whole legislative side of things. Really kind of an interesting stance John Chen took, basically backing up what BlackBerry has always defended in terms of their, their privacy and security. Really focusing on you know, the fact that they are going to allow lawful access where applicable, which is always a very interesting thing because how do you manage that? What were some of your thoughts on those who read up on uh, what John Chen had to say on the matter? I mean, it's as someone looking in from the outside as a citizen, I'm kind of happy that, you know, a company is willing to work with the government in some capacity to make sure that the wrong people aren't communicating and being able to organize, you know, potential attacks and things like that. The issue is, is like anything, it's like, how do we ensure that those boundaries aren't being overstepped? And I think that's one case right now with BlackBerry where we kind of have to put our faith in BlackBerry as we have in the past years and have faith that they won't allow these governments to overstep their uh, boundaries. And I think it's, but I also think it's, it's, a good, it's, it's a good thing that John Chen was pointing out because just to say no to everybody that's, that's not the issue. The, the reason you have security and privacy is to protect people. And, and if that security and privacy, if you're not willing to work with the government to help keep those very people you're protecting and you're protecting the wrong kind of people, um, it's kinda, it kind of works against you in that scenario. So, I mean, there is something to be commended for Apple, you know, sticking to their guns, saying we're not going to let anybody have any access. But I also think there is, like John Chen stated, some kind of middle ground, and I think uh, BlackBerry is doing the right thing here. Yeah. yeah, I would agree, especially when you consider like BlackBerry's customer base. They work with the governments on a red, on, you know, on a regular basis. So to say no to your customer is never going to be a good thing for your core business. So if you still want to dabble in this enterprise government regulated space, you gotta have open lines of communication. They can't do what Apple's doing and just say no because that can hurt them in the long run in terms of who their core user is, right? So they they have to play to those kind of bounds. But you know, Brandon brought up a good point. Where is it? Where does it become that you've now you've overstepped, right? And this is, it's ironic because that's kind of what we're going to see in, like, Captain America Civil War, you know, <laughs> the movie coming out. No, honestly, like, the same kind of thing is going to be that saying, you know, where do you set your boundaries, right, in terms of your power? And BlackBerry's got a lot of it in terms of securing all the governments and their regulated and, and government customers. Alex, what are some of your thoughts on it? Do you, do you feel comfortable? Do you trust BlackBerry at this point? Or is yeah, it, I mean, you know, a toss-up for you? It, it's one of those things that, you know, this is this is literally who BlackBerry is. And it's it's funny that there's so much uproar over this whole commentary. And, you know, Chris and I were talking right before this happened and, and, and he was like, you know, this is this is BlackBerry's stance how it's been like since forever. So it's kind of strange that there's even so much discussion over this this commentary that he kinda gave. But uh, yeah, I mean, I obviously, if I didn't trust BlackBerry, I probably wouldn't have jumped in, you know, with them for the past however many years it's been. So I think they're kind of one of the last companies that you can really feel good with security that they're not going to, you know, be on that line where they give the wrong information to the wrong person because that's kind of the last thing that they have going for them is being that security company. They're not going to risk screwing it up. So they'll, they'll do the right thing, I think, and I'll, I, I have faith in them. I'll ask you. Do you mind if I just ask you a question, Alex? Do you do you trust your government all the time? Like, do you trust the NSA to have <laughs> all the time? Just out of curiosity. Just no, curiosity. definitely not. But 
you know, it's one of those things too where they're, they're watching this right now, as yeah. you say. <laughs> but they say, okay, um, this the whole thing that happened in France, and then it came to light afterwards that they were using non-encrypted forms of communication. So it's like, even if you have this this encrypted, and then all this data going into the NSA, and all, all the stuff that's going on, there's just too much information to be able to sort through that I'm really not worried so much about various things here and there. I feel like I trust BlackBerry more than I would trust someone else, but I don't need to fully 100% trust, you know, a company anyway because I feel like there kind of really is no true privacy. Right. In yeah. these days, especially with an Android OS, right? Like, you know, yeah, it's probably more secure, hack-proof, and all that other stuff, but, you know, Google's still doing what they're going to do in terms of the data, and I don't want to say data mining, right? Because that's not really what it is. They're not per se mining our data, we're giving them access to that data yeah. with with the permissions we accept and things like that. So yeah. we're I've handing come, it over to them. I've come to the conclusion that if you want to basically keep yourself secret and keep yourself safe, then basically you just need to jump off the grid. Go live in a cabin in the woods somewhere and don't worry about it. You know? Yeah. Because at this point in time during it, throughout all of the technology evolution and stuff, I mean the information is out there, and people are going to abuse it. And, yeah, you can go ahead and you can take precautions against it, but nobody really knows, you know, the actual truth behind it all. Nobody knows the extent of the access that everybody, that these organizations have. I mean, yeah, you could say that, you know, you have the most secure phone on the planet, but nobody actually knows that, you know? Yeah. I, 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 and that... that I don't want to come off sounding like that's yeah. like being defeated by the government or anything like that because you know I'm not one of those people who who believes like you know if if you have nothing to hide you shouldn't be worried about it you should be you know people should be concerned about how much government access is out there and stuff like that but at the same time you have to realize like you know there's only so much that you can do against it as well so yeah and the thing with privacy really is that it it comes down to your weakest link. It's okay, your email and everything is secure, but if you go and, you know, you get a photo taken and your photo ends up in the newspaper or something, I mean, there you go, your security is just shut. I mean, it comes down to the weakest link. So, I mean, your phone is just one aspect of it being private. You, If you want to be private all around, you've got to be private in all facets of your life, not just when it comes to technology. Yeah, and, and really that weakest link almost every single time is the end user, right? Where they, they left their phone somewhere they shouldn't have left it or, you know, they gave it to someone who did something. And, and you know, we talk about a lot about, like, back doors that companies have built into some of their infrastructures, right? But, you know, it, am I comfortable with the idea that a backdoor exists? No. But am I comfortable that a backdoor exists and the keys are held by someone I trust? And I'm more comfortable with, right? I know Apple probably doesn't have backdoors, but they can still be exploited, right? It's almost like they take the ignorance is bliss kind of mentality in terms of security, right? Whereas BlackBerry, yes, there's a backdoor, and they have the keys to it and are guarding it, you know? And that's what I almost prefer. And it seems like a lot of the regulated industries that they play in also prefer that kind of stance. So I hope that works well for BlackBerry. It seems to continue to be garnering them more companies and more support. We recently saw the Department of Agriculture deploy BlackBerry's ad hoc, which is pretty interesting as well in terms of that emergency alert stuff. Yeah, another ad hoc. I think ad hoc is like one of those sleeper acquisitions that BlackBerry has made in 2015. We were, we were talking before we went live about you know 2015 and as BlackBerry as a whole, but I think I think ad hoc is one of those sleeper acquisitions that that BlackBerry has made, and we're going to continue to see ad hoc sort of take on a lot of stuff for BlackBerry and push the BlackBerry brand a little bit further. But you know it it, it always comes in little spurious amounts too. It's like ad hoc is doing this, ad hoc is doing that, but you know I think ultimately the most most people tend to forget that ad hoc is even a part of BlackBerry, so it's nice to actually see these announcements going out and, you know, being having BlackBerry's name attached to them, which is always interesting to see because, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily see a lot of stuff that gets pushed out from BlackBerry directly. Yeah, and it's very interesting to see as well because ad hoc was running kind of standalone, 
within BlackBerry, right? They had their own kind of path and their own customers that they were headed for. And it's interesting because they have their own marketing kind of gambit going on in terms of the press releases that were going out for them and things of that nature. So when BlackBerry comes in, now it just adds the BlackBerry name into news and cycles that were already happening for that company, right? It's just under that umbrella now that, uh, that BlackBerry has. So it is cool to see, again, they're making local wins both here stateside and as well around the world with some of their customers. You know, as, as Blaze said, I hope that it is a sleeper for them and that they can start accruing some revenues for that. What do you guys think, uh, specifically Alex, I wanted to ask this to in terms of uh, Verizon getting cleared by the FCC for the PRIV or the PRIV getting cleared by the FCC for Verizon, however you want to spin that. What do you, what do you think? Is that something that's going to be good for BlackBerry? Do you think that it coming out on more carriers will really help the situation that the device is in? Yeah, I mean, I th I'm most kind of saddened by the fact that it's on so few carriers right now and then everyone's really kind of all these androids it's, have really been talking about the download numbers and things that are going on and it's it's just kind of sickening to me because yes it is available directly from BlackBerry which is GSM which you know that's one solution yes and uh, Verizon people can't get it and Sprint people can't get it because they're CDMA but even so, it's it's ridiculous how many people are really buying a phone from a carrier. I think it's the far, far, far majority. So I really do want all of these carriers to get it and actually see how well this thing sells. Um, so it's definitely good to hear, obviously, that it's coming to to Verizon. I think it's you know kind of a little overdue, but as long as they get it, I think that's it is good. a little late, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but we knew that going into it, too. I mean, yeah. everybody expected Verizon to go ahead and push it out later, and there's still there's still that, I don't know, I don't know what you want to call it, funny business with T-Mobile, too. So, yeah. hopefully hopefully the new year will bring Verizon and T-Mobile as well. There's still the question of Sprint, too. Yeah, and especially because they just launched 10.3. dot, you know, right. too, or whatever the case may be. I mean, Seems like they were they were enlivening up that relationship a little bit by pushing it out. Who yeah. knows? It's Sprint. It, I mean, I don't I don't know who how many people are actually out there running Sprint these days either. So somebody out there watching right <laughs> now, watching right now that is on Sprint and be like, you know what, Blaze? I'm on my Q10 and I love it. Okay, <laughs> don't don't mess oh. with me, bro. Don't mess with me. So, you know, cool cool to see that, you know, Verizon at least is coming ahead and looking to clear this device. It's really tough, right? It's like AT&T is almost the guinea pig for this device. States had like, you know, if it doesn't do well on AT&T, is it not going to hit these other carriers? Or is it part of this, you know, prolonged rollout where they want to get some of this stuff through? What I want to talk about next is a little bit of the Priv camera, which got high accolades from the DXO Mark mobile test. Uh pretty prestigious test in terms of mobile and photography. So it was really cool to see them actually dig down on Priv, basically equating Priv to the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus cameras, respectively, and, you know, better than a lot of the other ones out there. So on par with iPhone, a little bit, a little bit better than some of the other competitors. Is that something that comes across to you guys when using your phones? I don't know if I'm just a bad photographer or what, but like I'm not getting, you know, I'm not getting 84%. I feel like I'm getting like, you know, 75, 80%. Not necessarily quite at those high uh, the marks of, of candor. I think this is kind of like the red dot award, where it's like, yeah, in theory, it's great that they're getting these scores and these marks and everything, but realistically, in practice, there have been people, you know, Android sites that are taking all the major phones and doing humongous comparisons, like, to, to very, you know, high levels, and the Priv does well, and it wins some categories, but it doesn't do well in all of the categories. So I guess this number association that comes to the camera really isn't end-all, be-all, I think. A lot of people don't really care about that. Um, you know what, though? Funny, funny enough, Alex, uh, my girlfriend, she, uh, her cousin got uh, headphones for Christmas, and on the, it was a monster package, and it said Red Dot Award, and I automatically really? knew what it was because BlackBerry had won so many. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah BlackBerry won a few. That's interesting. These headphones must suck. That's a quality award for uh, design. <laughs> Yeah, and you know th th this is a funny thing, right? Like design and functionality are two entirely different things, right? So it could have a great design, but it doesn't necessarily mean it works, right? Like the two yeah. two megapixel front-facing camera, awesome, right? It's 
it is designed beautifully into the front screen, but it's also like entirely underwhelming at the same point in terms of the camera. The one thing that makes me rather curious about that testing, and I haven't been able to find any mention of it, was the software that was running on the device at that particular point in time. Like right. when yeah. when did they actually go ahead and do this testing? Because you know uh, I'm not. I'm not in any way trying to discredit them or anything like that, but I'm saying, like, if they did the testing during the initial rollout, where we all essentially know the software wasn't exactly up to par, you know, <laughs> then obviously the test, if they went back and tested it again on the newer software, then the scoring would improve. But they didn't actually put that information out there, so nobody, nobody can determine what software it was actually running. I mean, presumably, I assume that it's, you know, Running yeah. on the latest software, maybe even a version that BlackBerry hasn't hasn't released as of yet. Maybe they got some sort of advanced version, right? But I don't know. It, it, it's just a curious point that was ominously left out of there because we know when they do the testing on iOS, right, that, like they, that was. Yeah, they've gone back and they yeah. they've done like iOS nine and iOS nine point one and nine point two, and you know, this seems weird. No, that was that was exactly why. But when, when I read the article, it was like, we have been with the newer, with the latest update. Because I've, when I got my priv, I got all the latest updates. So I didn't have any of the, you know, initial stuff. So I have nothing to compare the old and the new, yeah. as you guys did. So everything for me seems to work fine, as opposed to everybody's issues that they were talking about at the beginning. Yeah, the so first, that, the first my, was my, not my, <laughs> Yeah. And, and, that, was, that was exactly what I was thinking when I read the article. Is it the new or old? Yeah, I wish I wish they would have explicitly laid it out so that everybody knew. But yeah. And, and the funniest thing about those things as well is that you know people had such a hard time with some of the software that initially ran on it, but a lot of people didn't as well, right? A lot of people were fine with it in terms of how it functioned. So. Unless you're using that, you know, like let's say the front-facing camera in low light in a situation where it doesn't perform, you may not even necessarily notice some of those things, right? Where there were such minor under-the-hood features that got updated, which is, you know, it's it's beneficial at least that now that stuff is out there. You know, I wanted to do a little recap on some of the highlights we had from Cluley and what he had and and what he brought onto the conversation with us. Some of those things were were pretty awesome in terms of, you know, forward-looking things. So, for instance, we, they are planning on, like, some marketing to help bolster some of the BlackBerry brand and specifically re related around Priv in the future in the coming weeks and months. So the marketing definitely has not stopped. It, you know, they plan on more as more carriers roll out. Brandon posted a little bit earlier a picture of, you know, the Star Wars Stormtrooper at, on Bell with the BlackBerry Priv as kind of the face mask there. That's so. cool <laughs> Right, you know, that's the kind that's the kind of stuff that you know would get Chewbacca excited and would probably get me excited too, right? Yeah. If I was over there. Yeah, there's even a huge priv on the Toronto subway. Like Bell has uh, ads on the subway. I guess there's Star Wars Star Wars ads as well. And the BlackBerry is actually the first one right on the train, like the the first car. It's the first phone you see when you see a train passing by. So it's really cool to see that you know. Where, whereas everybody in the world may not see it out there, marketing is happening to specifically the demographics where they think the money is worth the investment, right? So that's always positive to see, working with those carrier partners to make sure that the device gets the kind of hindsight it needs. And as well, Cooley mentioned some things about you know, how they're constantly looking at the feedback that they get and looking to implement that the release of the latest Priv OS from BlackBerry pushing it to their carrier partners, which is you know, Rogers, Bell, AT&T, etc., was two weeks. And that's a very small period from what not only BlackBerry has done in the past, but what everyone else in the Android space has done too. A lot of people are, you know, giving BlackBerry a lot of high commendations for actually coming together with these updates in a relatively, you know, consistent pattern, a relatively quick pattern, something they wish, you know, Samsung and, and you know, other players in the game were also doing as well in terms of updates. Yeah, but it's, not, it's, it's not just uh, it's not just newspapers and, and reviewers and stuff. It's also the stock market is kind of giving BlackBerry a bit of a nudge upwards since the earnings as well. Overall, 
positive uh, results. Yep, earnings was a really interesting place for BlackBerry to come in, and Blaze did a did a phenomenal write up on on CrackBerry. If you guys want to take a look at that, and it really breaks it all down in terms of both the numbers and how those numbers relate and, and correlate over to some of what the company is doing, and really we're seeing basically software and IP licensing revenue for the first time. Around it, basically software and licensing of those IP assets are coming in at about 29% of the company's earnings, which is phenomenal, right? Considering most of that stuff was hardware, now we're seeing about 40% hardware, where previously we were seeing 50-60%. So they're bringing hardware down and increasing on software almost at an equal rate, which is really positive to see. As well, we're seeing a turnaround really by the numbers where we're seeing them up 14 million 14% from Q2 2016, beating out estimates across the board, across all their core businesses, right? What do you guys feel? Do you feel like this is a real catalyst for them, or is it more signs of showing that maybe the ship is kind of on the right path nowadays? I don't think it's on the right path. I mean, you know, as I, I noted at the end of the article, yeah, they beat all of the earnings, or, or at least the expectations for earnings and stuff like that, but when you, when you look at it in the grand scheme, it wasn't it still wasn't the greatest earning results that they could have had, but it shows that they've they've essentially been making massive improvements and they're they're getting things right and they're doing things properly. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter that they have to have to continue on that same path. So, you know, hopefully hopefully they can do that. Hopefully it's not just like, you know, they beat earnings this time or sorry, beat expectations this time and you know the next one they're gonna they're gonna suffer from it. Like hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully they just continue on the path. Hopefully they beat expectations in the next quarter, in the next quarter, in the next quarter. Because you know if you see progress and then you see you know things going yeah. backwards, it's it's never a good sign, right? It just yeah. means that they had one good quarter and you know what what did they do with it, right? Which but, I mean, weren't they kind of projected to have like negative fourteen cents per share, and they only got like negative three cents per share? So it's yeah. like weird because it's it's the they just kind of more of stopping the bleeding than it is like oh we did really well. And then it's like you look at the acquisition that happened. So yes, their software revenue is going to start doing well, and this is I guess this would kind of be the quarter that would kind of see that. Um, so will they be able to go and double their software revenue or keep like making it grow as quick as they? did, well, I think they'd have to keep buying up these companies, and now they're already like a max player. Um, it, it's interesting, though, because now that they are uh, a primary player, like they have the, the largest percentage in MDM now, they said, or at least Chen said during the call, that more companies are taking them more seriously because they are the major player. They, are, they own the highest percentage. So this could help in them getting their foot into more you know, companies. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it was as good as it could have been. I, I do hope that it continues going up, but exactly as, as Blaze said, you know, hopefully people, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Secretly, I, Alex Alex was congratulating people on how good the quarter was uh, before the quarter was announced. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if anyone caught our, our very full upstream after show, Last week, Alex was uh, telling clearly congratulations on the on the quarter before before quite those results came through, which is which is highly amusing. And you know, luckily, I guess Alex, uh, knock on wood, brought that to a, brought that to pass because they actually had a, a pretty good quarters. So. Yeah, we, keep, we kinda, keep optimistic, Alex. We kind of kind of shot Alex down, like maybe you shouldn't shouldn't count your chickens before they hatch. But yeah, yeah, yeah. he got that it's, one at least right. So. I, was, I was really bearish. Going into earnings report, I thought super it was bearish. status quo. Super, grizzly I bearish. Super, yeah, I was super bearish. So yeah. all your shares now, they're going to crash, yeah. Yeah, I was like, because I was super bullish like the past couple of, well, not the past couple of quarters, but before that when, the, when I saw signs of the ship writing, it's wrong, uh, and the stock market just like just didn't like it. And now it seems like, you know, the... They decided they like BlackBerry, which for good reason too, though. Yeah, I, we're seeing them really becoming a software okay. company. It's it's happening, and That's it. I think and, and that, but that is like so important because that means yes, if the priv doesn't end up selling all that well, 
well, at least they have an out. Whereas, like, give it a few quarters ago, if the if their phone just started crashing, it's like if they lost their hardware division, what the heck are they gonna do? But if they they position themselves as a software company, then not as much as reliant on their hardware business. It would be so sad to see it go, but yeah, I, I was crying. To, I was crying to Blaze about this like two nights ago or last night. I was like, it's so frustrating because Priv is the kind of device they needed to launch in 2013. You know, it's like go Android, do your transition to software, make make sure that software business is totally profitable for you and, and is a long term play for you. Then develop QNX on the back end and launch it out in you know 2018, 2019, 2020, and come back, re-enter the market after you've. Proven yourself, right? With yeah. with a device and with a, with a platform. Yeah, but do you think that would work? Like, for instance, think about uh, Samsung and like Pizen. If Samsung, I, I think there's nobody out there who would argue that Samsung's been really successful in terms of their how hardware. Many, how, how many apps have you built on for Tizen already, uh, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> No, but for, honestly, uh, Samsung's been pretty successful with their hardware in terms of the Android devices. Uh, if they were to come out with Tizen, a Tizen device next year, I don't think anybody would buy it. I know I wouldn't buy it, even though they've proven that they have the know-withal to uh, the yeah. wherewithal to, to build those devices. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not no sure that strategy would necessarily work. Man. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't think me or James, when we were discussing it, were thinking that it would actually work in that way either. But it may it may have produced a little bit better results than what they had now. You know, mm -hmm. it it's it almost seems like the stuff came in the wrong order. Like if right. they had to reorganize, if they had to took the time to go ahead, map out the plan that they wanted to do, and then put it into motion, it. It maybe possibly would have turned out a little bit better for them in the long run, uh, but you know you can't. Nobody has a time machine. You can't go back and change yeah. it. Yeah, hindsight's always that way, right? Yeah, always. Yeah. Are you are you are you comfortable with where they are as a company right now, DJ? In terms of what the priv is, I, I mean, obviously you've come from BlackBerry Ten and on the Passport. Is this something that? you feel they should have done earlier, or do you feel like kind of the timing is right? I mean, in my own Priv review, I was saying that, you know, Priv right now in terms of security makes a lot of sense because of where Android is, etc. So what are, your, what are some of your thoughts on it, DJ? Well, I guess it's, it should have come earlier, yes. But as you guys have said in, in previous podcasts, they have... You know, people there, the board and um, people to answer to. But I guess this was the right time for them. There was no other time that they could do it. It may be late, um, but it's 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 what they have to do to keep their hardware division alive. It is what they have to do, and I certainly want to see that the hardware division stay alive. I don't want to see it go. I mean, the Priv is a, a very very nice device. And like the passport is a very nice device, and I would want to keep having BlackBerry hardware, even if it has to run Android OS for a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm still not used to. I still don't like the Android OS. I've I've only had the Pro for about ten days. It's certainly a step in the right direction, um, and I've yeah. actually got a lot of people at college. I mean, I, I talk a lot about. BlackBerry, um, and they're like, oh, you know, they they all like, oh yeah, I remember the days I used to have um, BlackBerry. But I've even started to um, convince one guy to to move on to the Priv. Um, so I'm kind of trying to enlighten everyone and just show them people these devices. And I, a lot of people are interested now that it's running Android. So you just you know hope that other people will start to. See the light. I'm interested in it. It's yeah. really, it's really a, I want to say inspiring that you know there's still people out there like yourself that are fighting that good fight, right? Someone's championing, and, and you know we're here on Boxing Day, you know we're someone's out there uh, fighting for the underdog still, even when you know so right. many people have moved on, and, and really that's that's definitely the case at this point. So. Yeah. I, what I want to say is, uh, you know, a huge thank you to everyone who's been supporting the podcast throughout the last 
80 weeks, not months. Brandon, Brandon corrected me on that one. <laughs> hasn't been 80 months, thankfully. <laughs> but I want to give a big thanks out to everyone who's continued to show their support for the podcast and what we do here. We hope to continue to be able to deliver it to you guys on a relatively consistent basis and keep the guests coming in too. We're working, again, to make sure that you know the stuff that we're bringing to you guys is not only timely but as well relevant to what's going on. And that's something we're really focused on. We don't want to rehash some of that same stuff. But what is some of the big news that you guys have seen this year? I mean, in terms of 2015, there hasn't been too much. Android is kind of like the biggest piece there. But a lot of acquisitions along the way as well. What do you guys think as we sum up 2015 here? Because literally our next podcast will be in 2016. What are some of your highlights for BlackBerry? What are some of the most memorable moments that you've uh, we've come across this last year? It's a leap, man. <laughs> no, like you're terrible. <laughs> no, the leap is no, no. I didn't say that. Um, it's you know the 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 leap for the leap for me was almost a a, a physical representation of a failure, it, and not in terms of the device or the OS, but almost in terms of the strategy. Right? It's almost like if this is their final attempt to throw something at the wall and see if it's stuck. Yeah. Right. Because they've th they'd thrown everything. We'd seen a, a, a Q10, a Z10, a Z30. A Z3, a Q5. We'd seen every possible design that they could muster. And the, yeah. the leap was like, all right, a basic five inch, is this what you guys want? Do you want us to be like everyone else? Yeah. And the answer was still no, you know? So now we have Priv, now we have the slider that is, you know, kind of the best of both worlds. So definitely right. Leap kind of started us out with mobile world progress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning of the year. <laughs> what about you, uh, Brandon, DJ, or Chris? What are some of your highlights for the year? I my favorite fail of 2015, I'm not even sure if it was 2015 or the tail end of 2014. It doesn't have to be a fail either, okay? Alex well, jumped on the leap. My it doesn't have fail to be a was fail. the passport leather case that cost $200. <laughs> look, look I big. have one, and it did not cost me that. It was $150 USD. Maybe you just need to move out of Canada, I'm thinking. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's negativity so smooth for the after show, not for the show. Let's be positive. Yeah. Are we still on? Are we still on air right now? Oh, no, uh, my favorite uh, positive thing that came from BlackBerry was actually, I mean, most obviously, moved to Android, which I think has built them a lot of goodwill outside of the BlackBerry community, and a lot of people yeah. are now considering BlackBerry, and those are the very people who weren't considering them a year ago. So I think that's one of the most positive things that occurred this year. I mean, like, even though it's not my ideal situation, not the ideal thing I would have liked, it's, I think, the best route that the company could have gone, and I think it's worked out, um, knock on wood, fairly well so far. Yeah. yeah. I sort of touched on it in, like, one of the, the posts that we do every weekend. Um, we ba I basically had to go ahead and pick out four different highlights from 2015 that I thought were important, whether they be good or bad. Um, I don't know, a few, thing, a few things that, that essentially stick out to me would be, um, of course, the, the slider announcement at Mobile World Congress, where they showed it off as being a BlackBerry 10 device, but now, as we know, it wasn't a BlackBerry 10 device at all. Um, and then, of course, the... Uh, the priv announcement where they actually introduced Android, um, you know that that was obviously a highlight. And much like Brandon, even though it you know it, it wasn't necessarily the best of news, um, I still would have liked to be able to have a, a priv BlackBerry 10 slider. You know, it is what it is, yeah. and it, it was the it was the good path for the company. Um, and I guess the other highlight, of course for me personally, would be the, the good acquisition because, realistically, I don't think anybody expected BlackBerry to go ahead and acquire good um, in that time frame anyways. Uh, you know, there, there was hints back and forth where, where Chen was basically saying good wasn't good enough, but and then he turns around and acquires the company. That, you know... That seemed like a we're gonna, pretty shocking moment. <laughs> we're gonna make it. We're gonna make them great, you know. Yeah. I mean, there there was other acquisitions in 2015, like ad hoc and watchdogs as well. But um, you know, the, the good one, the good acquisition was the one at the top that really I don't think a lot of people expect it to come in such a way. So 
my 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 highlight, yeah, my highlight of 20, 2015 would probably be that massive update to BBM channels that we got. Um, <laughs> really, imp- really impressed, really impressed with that. Um, uh, clearly, why BlackBerry's earnings were so fantastic. No, I also the, the little yeah. web interface update. <laughs> DJ, what about you? What were some of your highlights for the year in terms of what BlackBerry's done? So is that for me? Yep. Um, yeah, for me, it's also the announcement of the slider. I've been wanting a slider since the beginning because the Torch was my favorite legacy device. So that was, and I was kind of disheartened when it was, like, the rumors started coming out that it was going to be Android. But it's actually not so bad. It turned out, you know, um, pretty good and it's it's getting a lot of love from a lot of people who have previously you know kind of put BlackBerry down um, so the slider as is one of mine and actually the Passport Silver Edition as well it just kind of came out of nowhere kind yeah. of um, but great, great it actually has become a really great device and I, I managed to get one and it's just—it's even better than the Passport um, original. I really like that one um, as well. Yep. Yeah, even Michael mentioned that that's probably the best physical keyboard BlackBerry oh, yeah. has built. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, arguably so, so, right? They they did put a lot of finesse into designing that and building it out. Yeah. So, you know, the Priv isn't supposed to be a competitor to the keyboard of. The, the passport, and it's so funny because you see all these comparisons come out. Like, you know, it's a subpar BlackBerry keyboard. Well, it's it's not supposed to be. If you want the the hardcore user keyboard, you get a passport. That's what it's meant for. Um, but it, I'm it, I stand on the same point as DJ that you know the actual physical hardware of the Priv. I don't know if I can ever go back to a phone that's not a slider device now because I. It, I'm almost worried if BlackBerry in some way gets rid of the hardware division, I'm so used to being able to have the slider device, I don't know what I would do moving forward. Like, if I have to choose between physical keyboard and an all-touch device, I, I don't. I want both now. So don't move <laughs> BlackBerry. That's hilarious because yeah. you were saying the same thing about the Z30 yeah. like two weeks ago. <laughs> I don't know how I'd go from the Z30, man. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need Blend. Where is Blend? I, I here do, we are. Dude, that I am. I'm not happy with you know just push bullet and various things. I I do need Blend, but Why? that's another thing we discussed. Why? Why? There's I can't BBM from my computer, and it drives me insane. Maybe maybe that's the point. <laughs> well, there's no blend on uh, Android. No. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And, and that was something we brought up with Michael, and you know. They, survey they, says no one's interested. No. no <laughs> survey no. says Alex is not our customer base. Okay. <laughs> you know what's yeah. funny? Uh, when I got my BlackBerry 10, I got a playbook before my BlackBerry 10 came out, so I, I was gonna buy it opening day. And I just expected it to work with Bridge, right? And I kind of, you know, that time it didn't work. And this time I, I didn't read up on it. I just assumed Blend would work since they have an Android app for, I guess, Android tablets and stuff like that. Uh, I thought they would have, like, some type of Android equivalent for the Priv. So I just kind of, I, if I had gotten a Priv, I would have fully just assumed Blend would be available. And it would have been the same scenario as my, my poor playbook. Bridge. And I, yeah, I think I a lot know. of people think, think that by the time the Priv was released that there would be Blend available. Psych! But they, they, <laughs> so they said that they're, they're gauging BlackBerry 10 users of, of Blend, and I think it's, it's tough because a lot of people, I don't think they even really necessarily know it's a thing. Like, my, yeah. I installed Blend on my mom's computer, and I installed it on my stepdad's computer. They didn't know it was a thing. And then they used it daily. Like, my stepdad would uh, message from his phone text messages through Blend, and he so relied on it. And then once it was gone when he got the priv, he was like, well, what do I do now? And I was like, well, I'll put, you know, push it up and deal. It's good, but, you know. So, I don't, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think, I don't think gauging BlackBerry 10 user interest was a no. realistic answer because, you know. Yeah. If who uses who uses that OS? 
right? Like the the level the level of of audience there is low, so you know you yes. can't you can't really gauge much off of that audience. You'd have to take it to a larger audience in order to be able to go ahead and gauge the level of interest for it. At so, that point, why not just look at the apps that are already doing that and like, okay, Push Bullet has one to five million downloads, and yes, it's always been free. And then they put out the paid subscription to it. And the thing is, they're trying to charge $44 a year or $50 a year for their service. And everyone's saying, I can't justify $50 a year. So if BlackBerry came in and created a similar service and didn't, they could get, you know, people are saying, I'm gl I'll gladly pay $12 a year. Or if you want a $50 one-time fee, I'll do that. And there's a million to five million people using this one app, and they, there's a big outcry for it. So... I feel like that there is room for blend, maybe not to the scale of what they want it to be. Yeah, it's it's pointless for them. It's pointless. Yeah, I mean, that's irrelevant for them. It's not it's not low hanging fruit, right? They gotta go for what's close. Like as Michael said, they want to take as much off the shelf as possible. And off the shelf, there are great file managers. There are great additives to build a side sync type, you know, laptop connectivity. All this is there. It's already built. That's what I don't understand. And like, that's, that's the built. real answer. That's the real answer. Like, if you yes. look at the whole situation, that's that is the genuine real answer. They don't want to rebuild something that technically, you know, can be achieved elsewhere. Um, yeah. You know, they're not they're not why, gauging. Why, the they jumped into Android, the most crowded space in mobile. Why are they going to jump into the you know subs? You know, like this other subsect of that. You know, kind of service experience. It's not yeah. for them. That's not I get it. unless they can do it better and more securely. There's really no reason for them to do it. I think then open up BBM. Then open up BBM to allow these other <laughs> parties to be able to do like this. That's what's frustrating. BBM is kind of closed off, and like it, it, the way that it makes you use it for some of these apps is the, the instant reply. For instance, it has it forces open BBM, sends the message, whereas like text messaging and things, it does it in the background. So like. Give more open access to BBM without yeah. too much. I think that's kind of unrealistic for where we are at this point in terms of, yes, we want it. Yes, we want Blend. Yes, we want you know a file manager. Yes, we want this and that. But for where they are right now, what they had to push out the door, we can't expect any, any more than what we have. And they did a lot in terms of the productivity edge, securing all of it. It just seems really unreasonable at this point. Yes... You can gauge the user outcry for it in the future, but right now it just doesn't have any benefit for them. It doesn't make them any more money than what the priv already will. You know, it doesn't add anything to help sell that. You know what's fun? So funny I think though. it does though. I think it in it doesn't add any benefit to you know non-existing BlackBerry users. Like if you're a Black, if you're not a BlackBerry user and you see Blend. But you're thinking about picking up the priv. It doesn't add any benefit, right? Like, there's no incentive there. Like, you you can find apps that sort of somewhat create the experience on Google Play, and it's not a standout feature for, let's just say, Android users who are possibly considering picking up the priv. It's not a standout feature for those users. However, if you are looking to go ahead and you know convince existing BlackBerry 10 users to move into a priv. Then it is a benefit because they see, see that, that BlackBerry didn't yeah. leave them behind in that, that regard. That's, that's and true. My whole my whole problem with it is that really at the core of, of Blend, it really comes down to it just being a pretty simple application. Like they, there there wouldn't be a whole lot of effort to be actually put it on devices. Like it it doesn't really require that much. There are some security implementations because it does run a lot of security in behind it, but you could even you could even strip it down to the point where it's just basically a web server running on your device and mirroring all of your stuff because that's what it does on BlackBerry 10 anyways. It's essentially just Nginx running in somewhere on your phone and in the background and, and on your and computer. Here, and that's kind of like the argument you can make for BlackBerry 10 still having that competitive advantage in some yeah. key areas, right? Sure. Where it is all out, of, all, all out of the box, fully secure, fully encrypted, fluid, you know, mobile, whatever you want to call it. It has all of that. And I really think these are two, de two devices or two operating platforms for two different kind of users, right? I find myself literally using only Snapchat as the only 
extra app that I use on Priv. But every single thing else I could get on the Passport, and it run, ran just fine, you know? So really, like, what am I what am I getting from the Priv experience? Nothing but new hardware, right? If it ran BlackBerry 10, I would be just as happy, honestly. And I know some people are like, oh, I can't, I can't go back. And I say, when I say people, I mean Alex, because you know he's he's, <laughs> he's, he's he's totally got a priv up his ass at this point. But uh, <laughs> it's it's it, for me, it just doesn't feel like one of those devices that. And Blaze and I were talking about this a little a little bit. It's like when BlackBerry 10 launched, there felt like there was more momentum in the entire company and the brand. Whereas Priv launched kind of silently, almost like the Z30 launched, you know, where you either knew it was coming and cared or you didn't know and didn't care, which was the majority at that point. And it just feels like the momentum difference is one of those stark things that kind of comes down to the difference of directions of what these platforms are built for, right? Because if they were to just take everything from BlackBerry 10 and put it on Priv, it would honestly hurt BlackBerry 10's perception, right? Because it would literally become just another copycat clone that's never going to get updated, right, in terms of real advancements. So it's really hard of how you tow that line. If we see Blend a year or two from now, maybe it makes more sense, right? But right now, it seems like all that would do is cannibalize the existing users, resell them that experience they already have without truly uplifting it into anything new. Like, Alex, for instance, you like Hub on BlackBerry's Android, because it brought new things, you know? But you I like that it has the, But you use the list views and things like that, yeah. right? So there are things about it that you really do appreciate, but yeah. there are also things you don't like, you know, in terms of how it's it flows. Slowness. It's just, just right. really the slowness. The flow yeah. is just not there. Yeah. Right. Another main tenet of why, again, Blackbird 10 has its own kind of unique value proposition and Android has its own too, right? And that's obviously the apps. So it's kind of like you get your, your pick, pick your poison, right? Do you want to go with the Silver right. Edition Passport and, and go that route and, and stick to the core BlackBerry 10 all-in out-of-box experience or do you go to that Android and, you know, embrace that ecosystem? Right. That's, see, I've, I've always said that I'm good with apps and you know, I, don't, I don't use it a lot, and just like you, James, I, there's only a couple of extra apps I use on top of what I use on BlackBerry 10. But once I want to give the Priv a go, so I'm like, I'm going to really get into it and, and try the Android operating system. Um, but it's, it's not got the flow. But once I get used to those apps that I start downloading, can I go back? It's like yeah. the ones that I can't use on, on BlackBerry 10. We have some of the apps um, at, for CrackBerry, Trello and Slack, and you know you don't get the notifications on, on BlackBerry 10, and I'm now being able, I'm now able to get that on the Priv, so if I go back, I'm going to miss out on the chat again, where I have to yeah. kind of, you know, so that's... It's, that's it's, like, yeah. it's very tough, very, very tough to to toe that line, and and I myself was talking some some hoo ha about uh you know going back to the passport, but like the longer and longer I stay on print, the more kind of unconceivable that becomes. It's yeah, just right. really 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 tough, yeah. and and I totally get where those one or two experiences that may be accessible now change the entire kind of balance of you know what's best for you. Do I choose accessibility over? you know, utility, or do I go for, you know, easy access and things? It's really a tough kind of line to toe. And I hope that yeah. BlackBerry kind of starts smudging the line between the two as they continue to develop this thing, right? I hope they can make it to a point where a BlackBerry 10 user can kind of come over to the platform with no learning curve, right? Because even for, like, a diehard BlackBerry user, coming to Android is going to be tough in terms of learning it and, and kind of yeah. coming to yeah. terms with how that, because Android has its own flow, no doubt. It's just not as good as BlackBerry 10s, you know? Right. It's, it's a lot of back buttons and, and multitasking and hitting the home screen for needless reasons yeah. and, yeah. and you, know, you know, a lot of arbitrary that's, stuff. That's what, like, the hub does well for, at least on Android. So, like, my mom or my stepbrother or my stepdad, they just use the hub for everything, and that's fine. If I had explained to them, well, I think you should be using Inbox for your work email and, you know, Gmail for your this email and this and this and the hub for maybe these emails and this, like, they, that's, that's information overload. So that's where the hub is just like, just use it like you use BlackBerry 10, and they're okay with that. They don't necessarily know that it's a little bit slow. I mean, sure, they might feel a little slow compared to BlackBerry 10, but they're, they're okay with that. So I definitely agree. Yeah, I think at a at a basic user level, nobody's going to really notice the difference. It's the hardcore fans 
that yeah. essentially notice like the flow isn't the same. Like DJ said, the flow yeah. isn't the same. No, it's you're not, not hardcore. Believe <laughs> you live hardcore. Uh, school of rock, guys. School of rock. <laughs> anyway. Wine. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. I'm cut off. No more wine for me. My singing, my singing voice is clearly not up to par. So. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it's it's a continuing conversation that we will have here on Upstream because a lot of these things are going to continue to evolve, right, as Viper continues to build out whatever this priv Android experience is. And I'm really looking forward to what Marshmallow brings. We may see that around February, Mobile World Congress time. We may see it earlier. We may see it later. But really interesting to see that, again, that they're continuing to focus on taking as much off the shelf as they can from Android and then looking at where they actually add value. And in things like Blend and you know a file manager, that's not really where BlackBerry added value, right? While I would love it, while I personally would use it, I don't think it's necessarily something they need to address right from the jump. I think in the future, if they want to build that out, go for it. But right now, it's not really something I think we need. But again, you know, there's people who are going to come to Priv and look at it and be like, this really isn't what I wanted. Let me go back to the let me go back to the Passport SE, or let me go back to the Leap, or whatever the case may be. Blaze is holding both of them up here. <laughs> I'm going to lock it on his screen, but uh, he's, he's rocking both of them. And you can clearly see which one is on and which one is off, which is amusing. <laughs> which one is charged and not charged, right? Clearly, he's using the Silver Edition as his daily driver. Two privs. All right, all right. Now you're just showing off. Both privs are on, and the time is safe. Hilariousness. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to hop off here. We're going to jump on to our upstream after show. Again, it's becoming increasingly difficult for us to actually produce this show due to the time constraints more, more than anything. So if you are looking to support the podcast and its continued development, check out, check out our Patreon account and consider offering a pledge there, a small donation. It really does help. It motivates us to continue doing this and as well allows us to flex our schedules to get awesome guests on for you guys, like Michael, like Sean, and like John from Techno Buffalo. So, again, this has been Buryful Upstream number 80. We're going to catch you guys all on the after show. If you want to check that out, hit up Patreon. Later, guys. Take it easy. Later. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. Happy New Year. Right. Happy New Year. Crazy. Crazy. Happy. 81 in 2016. Here we go. That is just bizarre. <laughs>